to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself Flexible in the face of change, resilient in the face of confusion. All of these attributes are choices, not talents, and all of them are available to you. Set Garden. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. And today's show is about resilience. First off, this week, we at Be The Star You Are are celebrating our 21st anniversary. We want to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are so thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Speaking of outreach programs, during the pandemic, as part of our disaster relief outreach program, Be The Star You Are showcases authors, artists, actors, musicians, and many other creatives who have had their performances canceled due to COVID-19. Make sure you're tuned in to both Wednesdays with writers and performers, as well as Super Smart Sundays both broadcasting right here on Voice America Network's Empowerment Channel. We have a full hour of power for you today. In segment two, you'll meet Dr. Cecilia Aragon, an author, air show pilot, and professor. In segment three, Hannah Hundal will be talking about her initiative, the Bridging Borders Project. And right now, we are so pleased to have back on the air reporting with us, Jack Polikos, with his segment, Trends Without Ends. So take it away, Jack. Hi, I'm Jack. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be back here today. So for my episode of Trends Without Ends today, I'm going to be exploring the topic of resilience. What is it? How it affects you? And more importantly, are you born with it or is it something that you can cultivate? So what really is resilience? Well, the standard definition is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or basically toughness. It's also described as an ability to spring back into shape. The first description is mostly associated with a person's psychological relationship with the word. Um, But the second definition of resilience is more, uh, I guess, an economic 
um, definition, and it also kind of applies to um, like ecology as well, on like the ecosystem. So, for example, financial resilience would measure how quickly an economy could return after any sort of financial impact, whereas it could also refer to the capacity of an ecosystem to return after it suffers extreme damage, such as like a large wildfire. Uh, but currently, the focus for 2020 to 2021 is on the big picture of how resilient economies are, healthcare, and the environment. But today, I'm mainly going to be talking about the psychological resilience, and I'll be sharing some interesting facts that I think can be helpful throughout life. Uh, so the topic of resilience has been studied a lot, and researchers have identified some core qualities that are identified in resilient people. And when you hear each one that I'm about to talk about, you can stop and ask yourself if you already do it or if it's something that you can make it, uh, if you can make it a habit. And if you can't, I'll also be sharing some ways that you can try to improve the characteristic of resilience. So one quality of many, many resilient people is that they make it a point to accept what they cannot change. So this in turn allows them to refocus their energy on something that they actually can change. Um, another quality of resilient people is that they take both a positive and realistic outlook on uh, life in general. Uh, this, gener this means that they don't use their energy going over negative information. And even in darker times, they strive to find an opportunity for a positive outcome. Um, a third quality is that resilient people have a good moral compass meaning they usually have a solid sense of what is right and wrong, and this kind of guides their decisions. Uh, it also turns out that a lot of resilient people either have some sort of religious belief or spiritual belief, um, just because if by believing in something greater than themselves, it often uh, allows them to look up to something. But for anyone who isn't religious, you could just as e this would so the same concept would apply if you have an idol. Like, let's say your parent could be your idol or a celebrity could be your idol. Just basically anything that you can look up to for inspiration to kind of bounce back if you're not feeling the best. Uh, another really common characteristic of resilient people is that they tend to be concerned about others and have a level of selflessness about them. Uh, and resilient people also... Uh, they they have they generally tend to have good connections and commitment to things that they find meaningful in their own life. Uh, and lastly, resilient people usually have good connection with other people, just because having a good social support system of family and friends uh, is definitely helpful when you need to come back from uh, any sort of fall that you've taken. So what can you do if you identify with only some of the char characteristics I mentioned and you want to develop more? Well, we all have experiences that tend to, um, they, they can be easy to go over and over an event or an expectation, but get nowhere. And it's definitely, I've definitely been there where you completely overthink something and overthink an experience. Uh, to the point where it just starts having a negative impact on you because rather than getting over the problem, you're just sort of digging yourself deeper into the initial problem and thinking about hypotheticals rather than thinking of actual logical solutions. Uh, 
And one way to turn this type of thought process or this pattern into strong resilience is to use uh, the practice of expressive writing. So this technique is just basically free writing continually for about 20 minutes about an issue just to get out your deepest thoughts and feelings and just kind of get everything on paper. And you might think that it's not worth it or just might not want to do that. But a lot of participants um, in a study where they kind of, you know, they measured people's happiness and their health um, before and after they practiced free writing for 20 minutes, um, like pretty consistently, uh, they turned out to be a lot healthier six weeks later and they were happier up to three months later. Uh, and another exercise that you can do is to mentally focus on finding the silver lining where you try to list three positive things about a negative solution. And again, studies about this technique showed that participants became more engaged in life and decreased their pessimistic beliefs. So to answer the main question, are we born with resilience or can we develop it? Well, the answer is a bit of both. People exposed to resilient family members tend to learn and copy the same attitudes, but all people can definitely develop it at any point in their lives as long as you put your mind to it and really think hard about some of the, the qualities and techniques that I've mentioned. Yeah, this was a really awesome segment, Jack. Um, especially uh, during this time, I feel we all need to be resilient and we need to see the glass half full and not half empty. So can you share with us some more ways we can become more resilient? Uh, yeah, of course. I definitely think that one of the main ways to become resilient currently is to prioritize building and maintaining relationships and connections. Because during the pandemic, it can, uh, for some people, it can be a lot harder to interact in person with people. And uh, although you can still interact online a lot uh, with friends or family, sometimes it's you don't you don't feel the same level of connection and the same level of support online that you do talking to people in person. So it, I think it's it's really important to try to maintain strong relationships and don't let people uh, kind of slip out um, of your like group of connections just because you can only talk to people online. I think, yeah, it's definitely really important right now to make sure that you're still talking to people and you're not just kind of sitting back and not making any effort and becoming more more and more alone and just slowly losing your connections over time. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Relationships are so important to, you know, our happiness and our well-being. Just uh, like it's our human nature to um, want interpersonal connections with other people. And so I think what you were saying was so important and so truthful. And I was wondering, do you have any suggestions, especially for now during COVID, as you were saying, like some, it might be easy to disconnect with people when you're all alone at home. So do you have any suggestions to really keep your relationships and, you know, avoid losing any contact with other people? Uh, I do. Um, One, or for, for me, since I'm a musician, I've noticed that there are um, websites and online music groups where people can get together and play and practice together. 
And I, th- I think that that's kind of interesting and unique because that's um, for anybody who does want to practice an instrument in a band, this kind of allows you to keep up your skills and your practice and even meet new people, which is always good. Um, and I think what, like one way you can maintain connections with friends in general is just doing things like a group FaceTime or just texting in a group chat or doing a group Zoom call. Anything like that uh, is definitely going to help maintain connections. It's not going to be as good as an in-person experience, but not everyone is able to see people in person currently. So if you can't um, see people in person, then Zoom and like FaceTime are both good options. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely relate, um, especially since my college has all online programming. I try staying connected with my study groups um, for both non-academic and academic reasons. Um, I reach out to other freshmen and I reach out to people in clubs that I'm interested in. So definitely, I feel connections are super important, especially during this time. So, Jack, have you noticed any other qualities in resilient people? Uh, yeah, I think one of the main qualities I've noticed in resilient people is definitely that they're good at coming to terms with and accepting difficult changes in life. Um, and even though routine is great and we like to, um, just humans in general, like to develop habits and we like knowing what to expect, sometimes things uh, and happen, things happen in life that um, whether like they sometimes severe things and sometimes um, things that really don't have that big of an impact happen. But uh, either way, your life is constantly changing. And I've, no- I've definitely noticed that in order to be resilient, you have to be able to accept large changes and get around them because change is really what forces us to grow. And I think that coming to terms with large changes in my life is definitely um, has definitely led to my biggest uh, strides of change and growth as a whole. So I would definitely say that, yeah, coming to terms with change is one main thing. And another uh, equally important quality in resilient people <clears throat> is coming to terms with what <clears throat> you can't change. Uh, I think that's equally as important because if there's yeah, if there's just an event that happened to you and you wish you could change it, in order to be resilient, you just can't afford to spend too much time on the hypotheticals of what if this went different or what if this never happened? Because then you're going to drive yourself crazy with hypotheticals and thinking, wasting your energy on what could have been instead of focusing your energy on what actually could be because you you kind of need to decide uh, at a certain point that you're not going to just dwell on the changes, but you actually are going to make an effort to be the change. Yeah, I can definitely relate to what you were saying on the hypotheticals, getting stuck in that what-if mindset, especially when applying to colleges and with just being a senior right now, I just, it's sometimes hard for me to just realize there are things that I cannot control and I just have to accept that. 
and just focus on the things that I can. And I think that when I do that, it really makes me more at peace with myself and just knowing that everything will turn out okay at some point. So like you are also a senior at high school in high school. So how have you been dealing with that and how have you been trying to build your your resilience? Um, well, currently I've kind of, uh, I'm kind of coming to terms with, uh, the whole concept that, uh, at certain points in your life, you need to make sacrifices in order, uh, to, I guess, secure a better future. Cause I, I know, uh, currently for me, like with online school, I'm definitely not a fan of it at all. And I'd much yeah. be in school, but I, I think that like one example of resilience in my life already that I'm having to work towards is I, I don't I, I can't afford to just give up uh, and slack off in school just because it's online which is it's really tempting to do as a senior now just to yeah. kind of put off because it's online and it doesn't feel as serious but the grades still do matter uh, for first semester a lot more than second semester seniors so I, I have to definitely just accept all I can really do now is accept that there is a change and do my best to change my lifestyle and habits to make the best of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, if I were to give advice to the both of you, it would just be to stay positive and optimistic during the college application process. It definitely gets better um, and everything will turn out where it's supposed to be. So don't worry. Um, and I want to I want to echo um, Jack's statement that we have to focus our energies on the present and the future and not just have the what-if mindset, like Andrea said. It's really important to leave the past behind and just focus on what we can do and what we can change. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jack, for sharing your words of wisdom on resilience. Um, it was a really great segment. Thank you, Jack, for coming on the show today. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. Show your love for more segments by donating to the BTSYA 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more as we interview our guest in the next segment. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're 
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm Siri Panindra, and we are here today with Dr. Cecilia Aragon, an author, airshow pilot, and the first Latina full professor in the College of Engineering at the University of Washington in Seattle. She co-authored Writers in the Secret Garden, has worked with Nobel Prize winners, taught astronauts to fly, and has created musical simulations of the universe with rock stars. Her major awards for research and a stint at NASA designing software for Mars missions led President Obama to call her one of the top scientists and engineers in the country. Her memoir, Flying Free, My Victory Over Fear to Become the First Latina Pilot on the U.S. Aerobatic Team, comes out from Blackstone Publishing on September 22, 2020. Described as exhilarating, adventurous, and thoughtful, Flying Free lifts readers into the skies on a young woman's epic journey from fearful, bully child to champion pilot. Welcome to Express Yourself. Um, Would you like us to call you Dr. Cecilia or Dr. Aragon? What are your thoughts on that? Well, thank you for having me, Siri and Andrea. You can call me Cecilia, that's fine. All right, sounds good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, the weather is a little better in California, so it's Yay. not too outside. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just get started. Um, what inspired you to write the memoir Flying Free, and how have you tied your personal experiences into the book? Well, what inspired me to write the memoir is that I have seen many young people, particularly young girls who are interested in science and math or people of color who have experienced discrimination or discouragement from people around them. And really anybody can, regardless of your race or gender. And I wanted to write this book to help encourage and activate anybody who's ever been diminished or dismissed by an authority figure in their lives. Wow, I find that so inspirational. (laughs) And so how, like, what was your journey and your life into becoming a pilot and you were a medalist at the Olympics of aviation, which was so cool. So what was your journey like? All right. It was a long journey. I started off as a very timid child who really couldn't speak in school. I was also very nerdy and geeky. I had few friends and As a result, perhaps, uh, people always assumed that I would never accomplish much in life. 
I w- for example, I was never told about the PSAT, the test that you need to take before going to college, because my teachers, most of them, assumed I would not go to college. And wow. yeah, so that was the start. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but I did excel in math. And one of the things that really helped me is my father always believed in me. He always told me that I was brilliant in math. And so I had this one voice encouraging me. And I also found out that, you know, when I was in school, if I wrote an essay that was exceptionally articulate, some of my teachers would accuse me of plagiarism because they would say that a a daughter of immigrants like me couldn't possibly know all those big words. And the, the beauty of math is that if I got the answers right, nobody could tell me I was plagiarizing. Nobody could take it away from me. The answer is correct no matter what. And that really, really helped me. It gave me, it gave me a rock, something firm that I could hold on to and that I could keep going with even when other people told me I was, oh, I was bad at art. I was bad at English. I mean, I love to write. I love to create. But as long as it was subjective, the teachers could always tell me that I just wasn't good enough. Oh, that's wow. terrible. It's, it's really so amazing how you didn't let anything or anyone stop you from pursuing your dreams. And that's so inspirational, um, especially since Andrea and I, um, she's a high schooler and I'm a college freshman. It's really nice for someone to say that. And, you know, anything is possible if you don't yes. let anything stop you. So yes. that's amazing. Um, going back to your achievements, it's, so incredible that President Obama called you one of the top scientists and engineers in the country. Can you talk about your time at NASA when you designed software for the Mars missions? So I was really fortunate to work at NASA for nearly a decade, and I got to work with incredibly smart people, hardworking, designing software that would go into spacecraft, that would that would help us understand how aircraft could fly more more efficiently and save fuel. And my time there was really one of the high points of my life. Um, the, The work that my specialty is looking at very large amounts of data and thinking about how humans can understand it. And so that means humans can't really take in a whole lot of information, but the, the, the human visual channel for people who are sighted is the highest bandwidth channel into the human brain. And so my job, or one of my jobs, was to create visual images of very large amounts of data to convey mathematical equations to people in a way that was intuitive but also accurate. Wow, that is so impressive. I could never wrap my head around. Well, you, you know, you can. All right, this is, okay, this is what I try to talk about in the book, is if you just look at, 
you know, a goal. If you if you look at some goal off in the future, you say, that's a mountain. I will never be able to climb that mountain. But if if every day you take one small step. So for me, I thought I was such a fearful child. I thought I could never even learn to fly an airplane right side up, much less upside down and compete in an aerobatic championship. But I didn't say, oh, I'm going to be an aerobatic world champion. What I said is, today, I will take one small step to face my fear. Maybe what that means is I will call the flight school and make an appointment for a lesson. And that was pretty scary. But I would just do each day, I would do one thing that pushed my boundaries a little bit. That was, that was just a little bit scary. And it's really surprising if you do one small thing each day, it's amazing where you can end up. And this is, this is really math, too. I mean, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to math, but I love it so much. And I think it's, it, it gets a bad rap in our society. Math is really, if it's taught well, it's much easier and, and more beautiful than most people think it is. So there is this kind of a magic trick in math called mathematical induction. And it's a way of proving theorems that's like the domino effect. You know how you line up a whole bunch of dominoes in a row? And then if you just push one domino over, and you know that if one domino, if, if any domino falls, the next one will fall, right? So all you really have to do is show that one domino can fall. And then if any domino falls, the next one falls. And when that happens, you can get all the way down this really long row of dominoes. And that's how I learned to fly. Just by every day, I took that one little domino step. I, it's like a mathematical proof. Oh, that's great. That's really so great um, how you're combining all of your interests and pursuing one career. Like when you wrote your uh, memoir, Flying Free, you combined math, you combined logic, as well as your passion for flying. So that's just so great how you're using like all of your interests and making a book available for people. And I want to ask you, as a child, your greatest wish was to fly. How, how did you know that you wanted to pursue that career at such a young age? Well, I didn't know that I wanted to pursue a career in aviation. I, I thought when I was a small child that I just wanted to levitate in the air, you know, just fly among the trees, you know, by myself. And it never occurred to me that an airplane would be the way I could do that. I mean, so you can be surprised by the direction that your dreams will take. It wasn't until I went for a flight uh, with a friend in a small airplane when I was, you know, in my early 20s. That's the first time that I realized that an airplane could realize my dreams. So I had this friend who was a co-worker. And at that time, I was leading this very narrow, safe, kind of nerdy life. And this friend invited me for a ride in a small plane. And my first thought was, oh, no way. I don't want to die. But then it hit me that I'd been saying no to everything just because I was scared. At the time, I was scared of heights. I was scared of shaking hands. I was even scared of elevators, if you can believe it. And my life had become so narrow that my spirit was fe feeling suffocated. So in that moment, I knew I needed to face my fear just this once. 
So I said, yes. And his plane was this tiny four-seater. It looked like a toy. And as I walked out to this toy plane, I thought, I'm going to die for sure. I mean, I truly believed it. I was terrified. (laughs) But then we took off, and it was so beautiful. The sun glittered on the San Francisco Bay like a million gold coins, and the waves against the cliffs looked like lace. My friend even let me handle the controls. I thought, wow, this is it. This is it for me. But then suddenly, my friend tosses this map at me and asks me for a specific coordinate. And his body language seemed to be saying, our lives are going to depend on whether I answered his correction his question correctly. Um, So I thought, oh no, we're going to die. And I froze. But then I realized he's asking me for a number and I'm good at math. So I gave him the coordinate. And when I looked at him, he had this grin on his face because he must have seen the joy and exhilaration I felt. And that's when I knew that I belonged here up in the sky. So Anybody who's listening to us right now, I really want to encourage anyone, if there's something you're really afraid of, but it also excites you and you want to do it, it doesn't have to be flying a plane. It might be kite surfing, driving a race car, speaking in public, you know, whatever it is. If you're afraid to do it, but you dream of it, take that one small step and give it a try. You never know what might happen. Oh, I love that so much. I know that, like, my dream is to be a political journalist, and I hear so many times people tell me, don't do that, like, too many people go into that, and and it's, like, (laughs) scary. (laughs) It is scary, but you can do it. You can become the best political journalist ever, and you can change the world. Well, if I could go from being scared of elevators to a member of the United States Unlimited Aerobatic Team... You're already an announcer on a radio program. You can become a political journalist. You can. Thank you. And so you were talking about getting over your fears. And so what was your scariest moment you've ever had as a pilot? Well, actually, the scariest moment I've ever had as a pilot was driving to the airport one day. I... You see, I want to make it clear that flying appears like it's kind of a daredevil sport, but safety is really, really important. And that's something that I always pay attention to. And when I teach people, it's all about safety. So here I was driving on the freeway, and then all of a sudden this truck in front of me zips over one lane. And I thought, why would he do that? And then I saw there was a car stopped right in front of me. I was going, you know, 60 miles an hour and there was this car stopped right in front of me. But because of my training as a pilot, I knew situational awareness. I knew where everybody was around me. And so I didn't need to look. I moved into another lane right away and I just missed that car. But the guy behind me, the car behind me smashed into him. So my training, my training as a pilot saved my life on the freeway. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh that's so scary just as you were saying that I was like oh my gosh that's a plot twist well yeah. I'm so happy that you're okay and yeah. first of all it's so great that you used your skills as a pilot in real life in on the road 
so oh my gosh <laughs> I'm still in shock but I'm so happy that you're okay um unfortunately I wish this conversation could go longer but unfortunately we are out of time and I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today um every you know word you spoke had so much wisdom and honestly I definitely feel like a changed person so wow listeners <laughs> Yes, thank you. I needed, you know, I needed these words today. Listeners, please check out ceciliaaragonauthor.com. That is C-E-C-I-L-I-A-A-R-A-G-O-N, author.com. And you can also go to our link tree slash Cecilia Aragon to find all of her social media platforms, newsletter, blogs, pl- blogs books, and more. And remember to be on the lookout for her memoir, Flying Free, that comes out September 22nd, 2020. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. I wanted to say thank you again, Cecilia. You were so inspirational. And I also wanted to say that math is such a beautiful, universal language that is just anyone can learn it. And it's I feel like it's so beautiful in that way. And it just connects everyone together. So... Thank you again. I second that. (laughs) Thank you both very much. I had so much fun talking to you, and I really appreciate the invitation. Yes, so show your love for more segments by donating to the BTSYA 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. Yes, and thank you once again for coming, Cecilia. And listeners, keep listening for more as we have Hannah Hundle in the next segment. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. This hour is dedicated to resilience, and we are thrilled to bring back Hannah Hundal onto the show today. Hannah Hundal received her bachelor's degree in human developmental and regenerative biology from Harvard College. 
She previously served as a researcher at the Harvard Stem Cell Institute and the Harvard Center for AIDS Research. Her writing has been published in the New York Times, the Huffington Post, and the Harvard Political Review. Hannah has been a volunteer with the Be The Star You Are since high school. She began as a reporter of Health with Hannah on Express Yourself and quickly moved into becoming a lead host. At Harvard, she hosted her own radio broadcast. She is the co-founder of the Bridging Borders Project, a multinational collaboration to combat COVID-19. And you can learn more about her project at bridgingbordersproject.com. And actually, in this segment, we'll be talking about our new initiatives. So hi, Anna. How are you doing today? Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for bringing me back on the program. I am doing great, and it's always great to be back. Um, you know, I was a host for Express Yourself for a number of years, and it's always such a delight to be back and to see the program flourishing and, and to see this incredible content. It's truly a joy to be a part of it again. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on today. So let's just get um, into it. So tell us a little bit more about your organization's mission and overall vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, for reference, the organization is called the Bridging Borders Project, which I co-founded earlier this year, along with one of my Harvard colleagues. And the point of the project is truly to promote collaborative responses to COVID-19. You know, as we know, this COVID-19 pandemic has impacted countries across the world and impacted these countries in very different ways and in ways that we often don't hear about or can't easily access information to know about. And so we wanted to cultivate this platform that really brings all these dialogues together and, you know, offers a clear picture of how this pandemic is affecting countries across the world and also how all these different leaders are responding. So if you go to the platform, which is bridgingbordersproject.com and our Twitter is Bridging Project and our Instagram is at Bridging Borders Project, where we post, you know, fun clips on our social medias. Um, and our website, we have the full interviews. You really get a sense of the policies that have worked and the policies that haven't worked, you know, across the world. And we're hoping that by pooling all this information on one platform, it offers a really easy way to make some important comparisons and hopefully enables academic researchers and policymakers to have better tools moving forward for pandemic management. Yeah, that's awesome. And I just wanted to tell you that it's incredible how you attracted a lot of international coverage from the press, including CBC Radio, the Sherlock Journal, and many others. So what inspired you to begin such an initiative? Oh, thank you so much. You know, it, it really... Um... I, you know, I have so much development work in, in different countries around the world, as well as my, my co-host for the program. And so when the COVID-19 pandemic came around, you know, we were corresponding with our friends in all these different places. And we realized not only was the pandemic, um, you know, unfolding differently, but also the leaders and their policy responses were so different. And that was actually leading to different epidemiological outcomes. And we thought it'd be really interesting to, to make some important comparisons there. I mean, I'm originally from a rural part of California um, in a family of almond farmers. And, um, you know, a lot of the policy measures that have been at play, you know, since the pandemic started in this rural region are very different than in, say, Boston, where I lived for a number of years. Um, and so that's even just within the United States. And you can imagine these differences across the world. 
And so I, we thought it was really important to bring an element of that perspective um, and make it really easily accessible for people. So that's what kind of spurred the project. Wow, that is so cool. I am just amazed by everything that you've oh. done in your career, starting a radio at Harvard and being able to interview Bill Gates and other world leaders. That is just so cool. And so you were talking about like your Bridging Borders project and kind of having a platform of talking about mm-hmm. what has worked and what hasn't worked. And so can you tell us about what you are seeing that has worked so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And, and I really appreciate your kind comments. And, and to that, I'll just say, you know, it really all started with Express Yourself Teen Radio. You know, I joined Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself as a junior in high school. Um, and it really just gave me a love of conversations. Um, and that's really what this project is all about, just fostering new and important conversations. And you know, part of those conversations is finding out really interesting information that we hope, you know, policymakers and researchers will take to ensure more, you know, more enhanced responses to pandemics in the future. And, you know, a really interesting interview that gives insight into this is one that we conducted with the prime minister of Bhutan. Uh, Bhutan is a country, a small country in South Asia. And the prime minister of Bhutan is actually a practicing doctor. So he works as the weekend on the weekends as a surgeon. And so as you can imagine, when the pandemic hit, he talked about how very quickly he was able to see the fact that, you know, hospitals lacked um, personal protective equipment. And he was able to see the gravity of the pandemic because he was experiencing it, you know, every every weekend, seeing it up front and up close. Um, So that really, you know, speaks to the importance of putting healthcare professionals in charge of crises like this, as opposed to just politicians. Um, and I think that's an insight that's important to bring to, to the United States, where I think we could definitely do better in terms of getting healthcare experts involved in this pandemic response. Yeah, definitely. That's a great um, takeaway. And I see that you recently talked to the First Lady of Iceland. And who are some other presidents, prime ministers, and other world leaders you have interviewed in your episodes? And how would you describe the experience? Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned the First Lady of Iceland, Eliza Reid, which is a great, a great example of a really fascinating interview. Um, so she's not directly involved in governance, of course, as a First Lady. However, she was able to give us insight into you know the country's contact tracing efforts, which really helped Iceland early in the pandemic. Um, you know, stave off the worst of the crisis. And she also talked to some sort of more contextual and systemic factors at play. So, you know, she spoke about the fact that Iceland's GDP is so heavily reliant on tourism. And because of the pandemic and borders shutting down, um, a lot of the businesses were taking a huge hit. So she talked about, you know, a program that was initiated in Iceland where they were encouraging people to travel inside the country and spend their money at all these different local businesses. And they were able to do that because Iceland's numbers weren't so high. So, you know, people didn't have to quarantine as drastically as we had to in the United States, for example. Um, so they were able to safely implement this, this program that encouraged, you know, it could travel within the country and at the same time um, supported these businesses throughout the pandemic. And that's been a really important theme throughout these interviews is highlighting not only, you know, the key statistics around the pandemic, such as um, caseload, death toll, severity that we want each leader to speak to, but also these, um, you know, contextualizing that information. And, you know, so, for example, we spoke with the prime minister of Antigua and Barbuda, Mr. Gaston Brown, 
who actually talked about reparations for slavery. And he, you know, framed this issue in terms of, you know, he said a lot of the wealth generated in the Caribbean has been sent abroad um, due to issues like slavery. And if they could retrieve some of that wealth, it would help them build out health infrastructure that would better enable them to weather these kind of storms like the pandemic or like actual climate change, which is really heavily impacting the Caribbean regions. Um, so what's been fantastic about the program is that we're really able to dive into these other issues that are so important to understand pandemic response um, and really paint a, you know, a more um, nuanced portrait. Wow, that is so cool. And so I'm sure you have like seen a lot of trends, like with all the data that you've collected on like seeing what has really like been successful, like which strategies have been successful implemented in each country for COVID-19. And so what were like, what are your thoughts on how the United States can combat COVID-19 in our current situation? Yeah, yeah. You know, a great one um, is mask mandates. Um, so, you know, that the issue of requiring people to wear a mask, that's been kind of received very differently across different regions in the United States. Um, and some, you know, regions are abiding by that um, more severely. And, you know, other communities have been a little bit more lax, even though that's a, a measure that healthcare professionals over and over have emphasized as crucial to managing this pandemic. Um, and what's great is that we're going to have an interview airing this week with the Prime Minister of St. Martin, which is a small Caribbean country. And she has really, you know, from the get-go, made sure that masks and quarantines and all that stuff was very, you know, she was very clear in her messaging on that. And that's why she was able to reduce the caseload. Um, so I, I would say that one of the big takeaways has been the importance of mask mandates. And I would hope that in the United States, we can kind of achieve more homogeneity in terms of our receptivity uh, to that message. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, are you noticing any trends in other countries and how we should combat COVID-19? And can you give us some insight on any approaches or anything new you have learned about from the leaders you have interviewed so far? Yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of, you know, new information, um, something that was so important to my co-host and I was, you know, to highlight not only leaders, um, you know, of other countries, countries that are represented by the United Nations, et cetera, but also to look at the indigenous communities in North America. Um, so we interviewed the principal chief of Cherokee Nation, uh, Chuck Hoskin Jr., as well as the president of Navajo Nation, Mr. Jonathan Nez. And what was fascinating about these interviews is that the president of Navajo Nation spoke about the fact that 30% of households on the Navajo reservation do not have access to running water. So as you can imagine, that makes COVID prevention guidelines such as hand washing incredibly difficult from a purely systemic standpoint, you know, at no fault of, of, of people, of, you know, at, at no fault of people on their own, just the systems in place that don't enable some people, unfortunately, to be able to abide by these guidelines that they so want to follow. Um, so what's been really great about the program is kind of revealing these gaps and, and, you know, and pointing to these gaping holes that have really, you know, been in place for so long, but, you know, no one has felt galvanized to fix them. And we're hoping that by putting this information out there, um, people will take a harder, uh, harder look at some of these problems and feel compelled to bridge these borders and bridge these divides and close these gaps. I think that's so powerful. I um, am in MUN at my school. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but 
we like go to these conferences and we get different topics and we try to come up with solutions towards it and just hearing about your program and just how like just you took that initiative to create this entire project that is going to help our like globe combat a like COVID-19 I just think that's so amazing and I was curious you were talking about how you were interviewing all these different world leaders like how you came into contact with them because it's not every day that like someone can talk to the like prime minister and like the first lady of Iceland so I was so curious how you were able to reach out to them Yeah, yeah. So actually, what's been great is that many of these leaders have reached out to us. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that my co-host and I have done a lot of international development work. And so early in the in the starting this program, we were looking towards some of these communities that we've worked in um, to feature on the program. And once we had featured them, um, you know, they were able to recommend us to other partners of the region that they've coordinated their coronavirus response with. And that's been another really important theme throughout this series is that we need to cooperate. We need to work together. You know, a great example is, um, you know, in South Asia, you have Bhutan, India, and Tibet coordinating health services um, because the, the population there is so large. If you, you know, try to make these artificial lines, you're never going to beat a pandemic that by its nature, tra- you know, transgresses those lines. Um, so really emphasizing that cooperation, that collaboration, that spirit, and that ethos of, you know, setting aside our differences and coming together to beat this pandemic has been such an encouraging theme throughout the series. Um, and, and definitely we hope that, you know, inspires policymakers in, in North America to think about that. Um, you know, in, in Europe, we interviewed the secretary general of the security of the organization for security and cooperation in Europe, which kind of looks at coordinating things between different European countries. And he spoke to that need for collaboration. So it's been really heartening to see this message. Yeah, and I love the concept of having multinational perspectives, especially during this pandemic, and it's it's really a good idea. And on that note, my very last question is, how can our listeners help and contribute to your Bridging Borders project? And if you want to share some information about how they can reach out through different social media platforms. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. Um, I, I highly recommend anybody wanting to view any of the episodes, um, check out our website, which is bridgingbordersproject.com. We have all the episodes available there. And we also have a contact form, um, which you know you can, you can utilize to submit your comments about episodes or your suggestions for future episodes. It's a lot of, it's a fun way to engage with our listeners. So we really appreciate when our listeners give us that feedback. Um, so please check out bridgingbordersproject.com. And also if listeners want to see, you know, snippets of interviews, feel free to check out our Twitter, which is at Bridging Project and our Instagram, which is at Bridging Borders Project. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on the show today. And it's so fantastic um, what you're doing with the Bridging Borders Project. Uh, Listeners, once again, you can go to bridgingbordersproject.com and learn about and watch different episodes, um, as well as on many social media platforms, including Bridging Borders Project on Instagram and Facebook, as well as Bridging Project on Twitter. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. And thanks for listening to Super Smart Sundays here on Express Yourself. 
please support Be The Star You Are and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs at bethestarur.org. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. And thanks to our guests from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Stay strong, be resilient, speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine. Between the lines If you would let yourself go